Prem Sikho Shri Krishna Chitana Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadar Shiva Sri Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai Shishi Radha Krishna Gopagopinath Shyamakunda Radha Kunda Giri Govadhan Ki Jai Mayapudam Ki Jai Gangamaya Munamai Ki Jai Tulasi Devi Bhakti Devi Ki Jai Shri Harinam Sankirtan Yagya Ki Jai Gaur Premanandi Hari Hari Bol All Gauris Samrivotis, All Gauris Samrivotis, All Gauris Samrivotis All Gauris, All Gauris, Shishri, Guru and Gauranga. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So we are reading Kento uh, 3, chapter 5, text 32, 33, and 34. These are kind of short verses. Tamaso Bhuta Sukshmadir Yatakam Vingamatmanam Tamaso Bhuta Sukhshmade Yatakam Vingamatmanam
Translation and purport by His Holy Grace Bhaktivedanta Swami Śrīla Prabhupāda Ki Jai. The sky is a product of a sound, and sound is the transformation of egoistic passion. In other words, the sky is the symbolic representation of the Supreme Soul. Purport. In the Vedic hymns it is said, Etasmad Atmana Akasha Sambhuta. The sky is the symbolic representation of the Supreme Soul. These, um, um, those who are egoistic in passion and ignorance cannot conceive of the personality of Godhead. For them, the sky is the symbolic representation of the Supreme Soul. And text 33, we can chant together actually. <clears throat> Kalamayamsa Yogena Bhagavatam Naba. Nabaso Nushitam Sparsham Vikuta Nirmame Nilam. Translation Thereafter, the personality of God had glanced over the sky, partially mixed with eternal time and external energy, and thus developed the touch sensation from which the air in the sky was produced. Perfect. All material creations take place from subtle to gross. The entire universe has developed in that manner. <clears throat> from the sky developed the touch sensation, which is a mix mixture of eternal time, the external energy, and the glance of the personality of Godhead. The touch sensation developed into the air in the sky. Similarly, all other gross matter also developed from subtle to gross. Sound developed into sky, touch developed into air, form developed into fire, taste developed into water, and smell developed into earth. And let's also chant together. Anilo api vikurva nom, naba soru balam vitam, tanmatram, jyoti loksha yalachanam. Translation. Thereafter, the extremely powerful air interacting with the sky generated the form of sense perception, and the perception of form transformed into electricity, the light to see the world. Tamaso Bhuta Sukshmadi Yatakam Lingam Atmanaha. <clears throat> Om Jnana Timirandasya Kananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Vancha Kalpatrubhyasya Kipa Sinubhyevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chutanna Prabhu Nityananda Sri Arvaita Gadadar Shivasari Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Hare Bol. So, very interesting verses. And, um, 
we may think, um, how does this relate to me? <laughs> um, because they are, in one sense, very technical, but nevertheless very important for us. So, <clears throat> the first one that we read, it says, the sky is produced of sound, and the sound is the transformation of egoistic um, ignorance. In other words, the sky is the symbolic representation of the Supreme Soul. So, if we, if we kind of recall <coughs> um, in the beginning of this chapter, how it started, essentially, um, Vaidura, he is approaching Maitreya and in humble mood, um, requesting um, um, spiritual instructions. And... Um, Maitreya Muni could have given quick and short answer, <coughs> um, but he starts basically from the beginning, from the creation of the universe, how the material elements come into the play, and then so on. And uh, how long do you think it actually took? for Maitreya Muni to answer all the questions in in the number of chapters. Would anybody would like to guess? <laughs> Five? Anybody else? Don't be shy. How many? I'm sorry, what is it? Oh, one day. Okay. <laughs> that could be possible. Um, um, Five chapters? 25 chapters. Okay, okay, we're getting closer. Anybody else would like to guess number of chapters? Yeah, yeah, that, that dialogue, how many chapters in, in Bhagavatam is actually two of them discussing these transcendental topics? He's onto something. So, um, I was actually curious myself, so I went through database um, recently and I, I was kind of going chapter after chapter after chapter. And at one point we come to the place where actually um, Kapila Dev, he's instructing his mother. Um, and, and I completely got lost. I thought like, probably by now the the conversation between Vidura and Maitreya was already over, but I was wrong. It keeps going on, actually. If you, if you look carefully, it's still Maitreya, actually, um, narrating. And then I kept going, kept going, and then I came to the point where, uh, as we know, there is a very intricate uh, description of uh, Puranjana's story. And even there, <laughs> I thought like, it must be over like, why not? <laughs> but I was again wrong. So altogether, um, there is 29 chapters in the third canto and 31 chapters in the fourth canto combined together 60 chapters. Essentially, entire, pretty much entire third and fourth canto is a uh, um, Vidura and Maitreya actually conversing about spiritual topics. 
So uh, I'm just kind of pointing this because if you study this um, campus, um, you know, sometimes we kind of get lost, like who's actually narrating? Is it like um, Sita Goswami, is it Narada Muni, is it um, Shukriya Goswami? <laughs> so I, I kind of like to know the, the background, who's actually speaking and, and who is narrating. Um, but anyhow, the point is these um, chapters are really, really essential for us. And even though we're going to be now coming into the description of the Lord's universal form, and uh, we shouldn't just, you know, skip, oh, this is too technical, you know, let me just go on, you know, some pastimes. You know, these, um, all these um, spiritual topics are very, very essential for us to understand. Srila Prabhupada, um, in the beginning of this chapter, he said actually that um, um, the conditioned living entity cannot really understand God without first understanding its true position in this material world. And um, as um, Albert Einstein would say, we cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. And I was thinking about that and I came up with my own interpretation of that. Um, we cannot solve the main problems of our existence, of our existence, which are birth, old age, disease, and death, um, with the same mentality that got us entangled into material creation in the first place. So I kind of like to put the connection there. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so that mentality, what is it really that got us into trouble in the first place? It's essentially desire for the um, separate enjoyment, um, separate from the Supreme Lord. Uh, the conditioned living entity has the propensity because we are part and parcel of the Lord. Uh, we have the same qualities but in minute amount. So to express that tendency, the living entity comes into material world and tries to play the miniature God. So <clears throat> Interestingly, um, speaking about the Einstein, <laughs> um, great, uh, great uh, scientific mind, just before he was about to retire um, due to his uh, old age and failing health, he decided to have kind of like his um, last public appearance and uh, discussion in the scientific arena to say. And um, before the meeting, all the great scholars, they assembled and they, they were kind of talking about themselves and they were discussing what would be best thing to ask, you know, Mr. Einstein. <laughs> um, you know, such a great mind, such great intelligence. And they were debating, oh, we should ask this, no, we should ask that. And we're going back and forth and, and they couldn't come up with um, um, kind of like a joint... Um, um, conclusion, what's the best question. So at the end they said, let's, uh, let's ask him actually, what's the best question to be asked <laughs> in this, um, you know, current world. And when he arrived, they said, Mr. Einstein, we were debating among ourselves what to ask you, but we couldn't come, come up with a, you know, agreement that would please all of us. 
So we decided to ask you, what do you think is the best question to be asked? And uh, Albert Einstein, he said, in my opinion, <coughs> the best question is to ask, is the, uh, is the universe friendly? Is the universe um, friendly or hostile environment? And very interesting, actually. And then he went on to explain, <coughs> uh, there's three possibilities. First, we can assume that this um, universe is um, not friendly place, not friendly environment. And with that mentality, we will create um, technology, weapons, we will use our scientific advancement to fight anything we perceive as um, unfriendly, anything that we perceive as the um, danger to us. And most likely in that process, he said, we will also destroy ourselves. <laughs> Very interesting. And then he said, the second possibility, we can assume that um, the universe is neither friendly, neither hostile. And in that case, basically, the God is playing dice with the universe, where everything is happening by chance, there is no really rules, there is, uh, everything is just happening by chance. And in that case, it really makes, um, you know, our lives would have no meaning, he said. Our lives would have no purpose. And then he said the third possibility is we can assume that this universe is friendly place. And then we will use our scientific advancement in technology to actually understand the universe and our purpose within it. And then he concluded, he said, God does not play dice with the universe. <laughs> so you can see even Albert Einstein, he kind of presented himself as a you know, non-believer, at least he wasn't believing the personal God. He, he still, you know, due to his intelligence, he could conclude that there is some higher power. With all these wonderful things we see all around us in the nature, you know, the sun is, is rising every morning, uh, the planets, everything is happening in a very orderly way. So with his intelligence, he could understand that there must be someone who actually arranged all of that. The only problem with him <coughs> is that he thought that by the um, advancement of uh, technology that we could actually answer the, the secrets of the universe, as the um, materialist would like to say, the, the, the dark matter. <laughs> so <coughs> recently I actually saw one interesting article and um, the scientists, they actually have what they call a um, um, device which is huge atom smasher. <laughs> and you may wonder, what's that? <laughs> but basically they're trying to break the, the smallest, smallest of the molecules, which atoms, and in, in the attempt to find the, they, they say they're looking to find the missing 95% of the universe. <laughs> 
And I was thinking like, you know, what a joke, like, good luck with that. But the sad thing is, um, they already have one of such devices, and they explain it's actually huge underground tunnel. The, the proportions of that tunnel is about 16 miles. 16 miles, and it's uh, about 60 feet laid in, in ground. And now they are proposing of building one that will be three times bigger than that. And uh, the cost of that is about 13.8 billion. 13.8 billion. And I was thinking, guys, you know, just come and take some prashana, man. You know, <laughs> why don't you give like one billion to Hare Krishna movement, and we can finish Mayapur temple, and uh, we can open even college and, and educate everybody um, about the source of um, this material world and how the universe comes in place. You know, just cool. <laughs> Don't waste your money. <laughs> um, but anyhow, so that is the um, conditional living entity trying to, with its limited sensual perception, to understand the source of its um, uh, creation, which is impossible. So, therefore, we are very fortunate. We have actually, all these answers are actually presented by, by Maitreya Muni in the coming chapters. Everything is nicely presented, how the material elements come into play and how everything is interacting nicely. Um, Srila Prabhupada actually goes on in one of the purpose to explain everything is so nicely arranged in material. There is no scarcity of anything. Sometimes the, um, you know, the leaders of uh, current society, they say, oh, there is a problem with overpopulation, there are so many people, and you know, there will be a shortage of food, and this and that, and shortage of energy. <laughs> and we can see, actually, all these current conflicts and wars, they are just about um, human ignorance trying to secure the energy sources um, but Prabhupada said, the only thing that is actually, uh, if there is any scarcity at the first place, he said, that would be scarcity of God consciousness. Everything else is provided automatically by the Supreme Lord. And um, so, <clears throat> so what are the questions that um, Vidura asked in the beginning? Um, I was kind of trying to summarize his questions and I came up with four different, actually, um, topics that Vidura is specifically addressing. Uh, the first one is, he is saying, um, please, therefore, give us directions on how one should live for a real happiness. How, sh how one should live for real happiness. Then, um, the second one was, uh, please instruct us on transcendental devotional service of the Lord so that He, which is Krishna, who is situated in the heart of everyone, can be pleased and impart uh, the knowledge within. And then uh, the third one, um, Vidura is asking, basically he's saying, kindly narrate how the Supreme Personality of God who is independent and desirous, um, is perfectly, has perfectly arranged the regulative principle for the maintenance of the universe. 
And the last and fourth question I would say is where uh, Vidura is saying, um, you may also narrate about the auspicious characteristics of the Lord in his different incarnations for the welfare of the twice-born, the cows, and the demigods. And I was thinking about that. Um, why does Vidura stress twice-born, the cows, and demigods? And if we look carefully, because these are the um, kind of like uh, key pillars of the Vedic culture, the twice-born, <coughs> which are um, Vaishyas, Kshatriyas, and Brahmins, and then uh, cows, we can understand how important cow is for the human prosperity. Um, any sacrifice cannot be even performed without the ingredients which cow provides kindly to human society. And then the demigods who are in charge, um, in, in, in charge of the material events in, the, in this universe. So all three are essential and when all three are properly um, taken care, then human society can prosper very nicely. So, <clears throat> speaking about the happiness, <laughs> um, recently one of my relatives um, told me um, um, they live in uh, New York, and uh, basically they were telling me nowadays there is actually something called um, rage rooms. Does anybody know what rage room is? A rage rooms. So <laughs> I was I was shocked myself. But, so I had to Google it to actually believe it. <laughs> but essentially, um, rage, R A G E, rage. When you are angry, when you're frustrated. <laughs> So essentially, there are companies who um, provide, they, they offer kind of like a service. Like if you have a hard, hard time at, you know, a hard day in work and you're frustrated and you want to smash something, you can come to their place, they will give you protective gear and they'll give you baseball bat and you can smash things around. <laughs> and I could understand, like, you know, if somebody's really um, that frustrated and, and needs to smash into something, okay, go ahead and, you know, like, I don't know, maybe, you know, hit the wall or something. <laughs> but in this case, they actually charge the fee. So you, you have to pay about between 30 to $100, depending how much, you know, smashing you want to do. <laughs> and so you pay the fee, and you can go in, they give you protective gear, and they give you baseball um, bat or the sledgehammer, and you can smash glass, you can smash all the electronics, and that way you can express your frustration. <laughs> um, uh, they even have actually monthly uh, membership, so anybody who wants to join, <laughs> you can subscribe. <laughs> so I was thinking about, man, like, what is wrong with this? you know, human society nowadays. Like, are we really that fallen and stupid? <laughs> um, but unfortunately, it's true, actually. It's not only in New York. Uh, actually, I even saw in Orlando, they have it um, pretty much across the country. 
But it uh, tells how actually, on what level of consciousness our present uh, human society is. Um, instead of encouraging uh, actually sense control, um, um, kind of like um, restraining our lower moods of nature, in this case we can see that actually, you know, encouraging it. Go on, indulge, indulge into uh, food, fast food, indulge in unlimited sex enjoyment, indulge into um, pretty much, you know, any kind of um, frustration you want to exhibit, you can do it publicly, you can do it, um, you can go and smash things, you can do it. Um, so, so that is completely opposite from the Vedic culture, um, which supports the um, uh, higher understanding. Um, Srila Prabhupada would often tell us, <coughs> um, in Krishna consciousness, we want to promote simple living and higher thinking. But we can see that demoniac leaders, they actually realized that is not good for the economy. <laughs> you know, who is going to be consuming? <laughs> Therefore, they actually promote opposite. They promote um, complex living and low thinking. Because if people are thinking too much and questioning, then of course they are not going to consume as much as um, they would um, otherwise, when there is no thinking, complex living, you know, basically get up in the morning, um, rush to the, you know, get, a, get your Starbucks coffee, <laughs> and then go to work, uh, you know, work till five, six, sometime even later, depending on the job, and then again on the highway, you know, driving back. Some people in the big cities, they drive in 45 minutes to one hour, so we can see there is no time for thinking. And demons love that. If, if humans don't think, they can control, they can manipulate, they can exploit. So therefore, Krishna consciousness is very important. We want to educate people, we want to share this knowledge. Srila Prabhupada kindly brought it to the West um, in his um, old age. And he, he gave it to us. It's a, it's a treasure house. These books are literally treasure house. So, um, in any way we can, we, um, I was just listening the other day, um, um, Bhakti Maharaj, I just um, um, came to my mind <coughs> how he was saying, like, you know, at one point he, he saw how. Um, situation in America is so degraded, so he started that journey and um, he said like, um, now it seems like things got forced again, so it's time to do it again. Um, you know, we shouldn't think, um, you know, we've been around for over 50 years, we, we've done our job. No, actually there is, there is much more to be done. Um, even though we may think, oh, nobody's coming, um, people are not interested. Uh, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't assume that, because even if among thousands of people, even if one person is interested, uh, it's very worth our endeavor to actually reach out to that person. Uh, what's the first? Oh, okay. Basically, in Gita, 
I was lis- recently listening also Chaitanya Charan Prabhu and um, he was um, speaking very nicely about um, Paul Siegel and uh, how he actually, and, and also it's mentioned in the verses that we were studying just recently, um, it's explained that um, that false ego is essentially the, the main connection that actually gets um, out of it here. Okay, it says, the false ego is the binding force of material existence. The Lord again and again gives a chance to the bewildered conditioned soul to get free from this false ego. And that is why the material creation takes place in, at intervals. And then uh, proper goes on to explain. Um, he gives the conditioned souls all facilities for rectifying the activities of Paul's ego, but he does not interfere with their small independence as parts and parcels of the Lord. So, <clears throat> back to the class that I heard from Chitina Chandrabhu. So he was discussing uh, on a very interesting topic. Um, uh, it was titled. Um, did Krishna provoke Duryodhana and cause the war? Uh, it kind of caught my attention. Um, because if you think like that he did, then of course people could blame Krishna for the consequences. But Chaitanya Charan Prabhu, he, he has a very, um, very interesting way of um, analyzing and, and, and beautifully presenting very um, deep points. So, so he goes on to explain, um, we all remember <coughs> that um, at one point basically Krishna and Arjun, they were kind of like relaxing in the Kandava forest and then all of a sudden one sage approached them, he, he appeared like a, some Brahmin and they described he was like so beautiful and shining like a like a fire. So they stood up and they offered obeisance to him and um, and then he introduced himself and he actually explained, I'm Agnidev, the god of fire. And um, he said, I've been trying to swallow this. Um, oh, actually, Krishna Nandruna asked him, how can we serve you? And uh, Agnidev, he said, please offer me food. <laughs> And then he said, but I don't eat just ordinary food, <laughs> you know. I eat different kind of food. And he said, I was trying to devour this forest, and it's ordained by Lord Brahma. But I couldn't do it because every time I start, essentially Indra sends torrential rains, and he, you know, he kind of ruins my plan. <laughs> so I know too you are, you know, great um, personalities, you know, you know, in the past, two of you were um, great wishes, Nara and Narayan. So I know you can, you can help me to do and accomplish this task. 
So, of course, Krishna Arjuna said, of course, we will do everything to, to please you, my, my dear sage, but we need special weapons. And then Agnidev, he provides, he actually provides all necessary weapons to Arjuna. Anyhow, during that whole um, um, pastime, essentially while the forest was being devoured by Agnidev, within the forest there was a um, demon called Maya, Maya Danova. And he was about to get killed. Krishna had a chakra ready to, you know, kill him. But he was very intelligent and he fell to um, Arjuna's feet and he, he begged for protection. So Arjuna saved him. And in return he said, my dear Arjuna, how can I repay my debt to you? And Arjuna said, oh, um, I cannot take any repayment from you. I just acted out of the duty. But if you want to do something for me, then do something for Krishna. <laughs> and then Krishna said, okay, if you, if you want to do something for us, um, please create, um, uh, create the assembly home for uh, Yudhishthira. And then, basically, Maya Danova goes on to create the assembly hall, which is described as the most mysterious assembly hall that, that even the demigods did not possess. So I'm kind of just giving you, um, basically, a preview of what is to happen. Much later on, um, after, you know, many things actually happened, and um, even Maharaji used to perform the Rajasuya sacrifice and, and all the great kings came and I, there was huge ceremony. And after all that performance was accomplished, essentially everybody left, all the great uh, dignitaries, all the great um, kings and prince, they departed. However, Duryodhana stayed, Duryodhana and Shakuni, they were kind of going around that, um, that uh, Maya Shabba, that assembly hall, and knowing Duryodhana's nature, he was already burning with envy. But uh, after seeing that spectacular, you know, assembly hall, he was even more envious of Pandavas. <laughs> so he was walking around that hall, and it's described he would like, you know, at one point, he would snap like angrily on the servants who were kind of like in front of him and get out of the way from, you know, get out of my way. <laughs> he, wanted to, he wanted to look how it's actually built because he, he wanted the one for himself. So meanwhile, uh, Pandavas and Draupadi and um, Krishna, they were standing, you know, they, they were kind of some distance far away observing Duryodhana walking around. And in his hasty way, as he was walking, he fell into the water. He was thinking it's a floor, <laughs> uh, but it was actually illusion created by Maya Danova. So he fell on, he felt like completely dressed with his royal outfit, you know. Can you imagine like big, big, strong Kshatriya, you know, dressed in, a, you know, armor and gold and jewelry and like, and completely proud. You know, he, he completely falls flat you know, like into the water. <laughs> so the queens on the balcony, they started laughing. And, um, and Yudhishthira, he tried to, 
you know, stop them, you know, because he thought like, you know, we shouldn't laugh. And normally, yeah, if you see somebody fall down, it's, you know, generally we, we're not going to laugh. We, you know, any gentle person will feel compassion and, and give a hand. But um, it, was, it was so natural, it was so, so funny to see this proud Duryodhana fall into water. And while Yudhishthi tried to stop queens from laughing, Krishna said, no need, let them laugh. <laughs> so, um, why am I saying all this? Because, um, as um, Chaitanya Sharan Prabhu explained, uh, we may think, like, did Krishna really want to provoke um, Duryodhana? Was, was that intention? And he's, he described, no, it's not. Um, however, he explained, Krishna does create situations where we are tested, where we are actually tested. Not only Duryodhana, but any of us will be tested at some point. What is our true motive? Are we here to really surrender? Are we here for like, prestige? Are we here for wealth? Are we here for position, name, fame, glory? What is our true motivation? So, uh, basically, Chaitanya Chaitanya explained, <coughs> just like we also see in the pastimes of Govardhan Hill, when um, Krishna was also testing Indra Dev, he was saying to his father, there's no need to worship Indra. You know, the rains fall anywhere, even on the ocean. Like, why do sacrificial fire, I mean, sacrificial yagyas? You know, it's better we watch the Govardhan. So, Krishna in that way was also essentially creating situations where he was testing his devotee. Um, anyhow, uh, I think I'm going to conclude here. <coughs> um, the last thing I would just want to share um, recently, uh, I was speaking with um, Ramanya Prabhu and he told me, he said, did you know this year actually we are celebrating 50th anniversary of installation of our beloved Shishigoni time? I said, I had no idea. <laughs> 50 years. So 50 years ago, basically, our Gonitai came and it, essentially they initially were installed in Gainesville and then later on in 1981 they were transferred so, in the coming weeks, we have this month, uh, first we have appearance of Lord Nityananda, and then later on uh, in March, we have appearance of Lord um, Goranga. So, I was thinking we should really um, focus on, you know, on understanding Lord Chaitanya's pastimes and, and trying to really dive deeper into um, this process of you know, that Srila uh, Prabhupada gave us. And as the last thing, I just wanted to briefly read one beautiful song by Narutanga Stakur, which is, um, um, personally, I thought this, this is going to be my meditation for this um, coming weeks. So, <clears throat> you all heard this beautiful song, but um, it's always nice to hear it again. So, O oh Lord Hari, I have spent my life uselessly, 
having obtained human birth and having not worshipped Radha and Krishna. I have knowingly drunk poison. The treasure of divine love in Goloka Vrindavan has been standing as the congregational chanting of Lord Hari, uh, Lord Hari's holy names. Why did my attraction for the chanting never come about? Day and night my heart burns from the fire of the poison of worldliness, and, and I have not taken the means to relieve it. Lord Krishna, who is the son of the king of Raja, became the son of Sachi, Lord Chaitanya, and Balaram became Nithai. The holy name delivered all those souls who were lowly and wretched. The two sinners, Jaga and Madai, are evidence of this. O Lord Krishna, son of Nanda, accompanied by the daughter of Rishabhanu, please be merciful to me now. Narutam Das says, O Lord, please do not push me away from your reddish lotus feet, for who is my beloved except for you? Narutam Das Taku Srila Prabhupada Kijan. I will stop here if anybody would like to make any comment. Yes, Prabhupada. Yes. So, uh, in order to help someone, how does it like to? In order to help someone understand something, we need to speak their language. So, uh, the scientists and engineers and mathematicians and so on, they only understand the language of equations and proofs and things like this. So, how, how can the language of the Bhagavatam, which has everything described, be translated into the languages, language of these schools? How can we help these people understand? That's a very good question. Well, um, I can only think of one possibility that some great minds, some great scientists, they actually become devotees themselves. And they use the technical terms to actually reach out to scientific community. Um, currently we have few people in our movement who are actually trained and educated in the different fields and they're trying to reach out to you know um, different universities and you know, different preaching outreach. I, I wouldn't say necessarily preaching, it's not we're trying to know and go and you know necessarily convert everybody anybody. But um, your point is very valid. Um, these scientists they they respect the um, numbers, they respect scientific um, reasoning, um, logic. So therefore I think if um, if we have devotees who are who are actually um, trained themselves, but at the same time they have devotion for the Lord, they will be able to reach and communicate. Well, what I was thinking was that um, things about the Lord directly um, cannot be described in this because they are not material things. But we are talking here about the material universe, the creation of the material universe, how this element transforms into that element, how this sensation yeah. transforms into that, and so on, like fire, fire, bomb, fire, all of these different relationships. I was wondering if 
if it was going to be a human being qualified, it wasn't possible to do that, even on a material level. Probably not 100%, you know. I, I don't think we could ever, like, what was that first verse um, The sky is a product of sound. So, I don't think, um, and again, I, I don't know. Um, I don't, but I, I doubt that we could ever be able to necessarily, you know, do experiment where we can actually show people here's how actually sky is transformed in sound. <laughs> Even, you know, that uh, huge machinery they have that's like over 60 miles long, you know, in diameter, can't even, you know, scratch the surface in, in, in the attempt to, to come up with the answers to these questions. Uh, but, but my inclination is more to say that um, devotees who are scientists and devotees at the same time will be able to at least make the scientific community to be favorably um, inclined towards Krishna consciousness rather to you know from you know dismissing the Krishna consciousness as not even another option. Yeah many years ago Ramita Swami Maharaj said the first thing the scientists start out by saying as well, all of this is false, of course there is no God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know, it's, uh, and in some instances it may be even, um, you know, counterproductive to waste time, but again, like I said earlier, even if one soul can be um, given Krishna consciousness, our endeavor is worthwhile. And, and we know, like scientists, they say, you know, if I can see it, you know, it's not just scientists, but, you know, materialistic people in general, they say, like, oh, I don't see God, why should I believe in Him? And then we say, well, you can't see electricity either, so why don't you just, you know, put the fork in and see what happens? <laughs> so that kind of logic is not really, um, any intelligent person will understand that not everything can be tested by our limited sensual perception, you know, limited intelligence. Um, so, we just try to um, at least present this information, make it available out there, and we try to make as many people favorable to this Christian consciousness. Peter, say anything we'd like to say something. Years ago, I heard a devotee say, um, devotees make terrible businessmen. A devotee should go find a businessman and make him a devotee. And I think it's kind of the same idea here. And that, yeah, we could try to study and try to put this into their language, but if we don't have that background, we don't want to do it convincingly. And they're going to just say, well, that this is all theoretical, and of course, you know, it's false. Um, to accept the existence of God requires a certain amount of piety. And I was thinking of the two verses spoken by Kalan to his father, who asked, How did you get like this? Like, why are you like this? And he says, 
Matima Krishna, Parataswatova, Vipadi, Pokrihavatana. You cannot become Krishna conscious even if you try. Yeah. If you have a twisted mentality. Um, then the next verse he says, Nasham Matistava Urukamandri, Sprishatyanata, Agamaravata, Mahiasham Bada Raja Vishikam, Vistinchanama, Mahabhanyatayata. But the only way you can get that piety is to put yourself under the feet, under the shelter of the devotee. And what does he say? He says to take a bow in the dust from your feet. Mm-hmm. So I just see like, all right, how are we going to answer your question? We all have to become true devotees and go around and, and or else become a pure we call it conduit for Bhagavad's mercy. Just go to them and say, you oh, are smart. Maybe you can understand this. Can you read these words? Mm-hmm. My guru said, I'm trying to make sense out of it. And did they read this here in the Louis Bells? Well, okay. Have another cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, that is that is so true. Prashanam is our secret weapon. <laughs> uh, if nothing else works, Prashanam will uh, you know, give them sandwich, give them uh, pachori. Keeps them in the game. Yes, yes. Holds their interest. Yes, yes. And I love what you say. Um, you know, we may be bad businessmen, but you know, we can make businessmen devotee and then. Uh, have him one. So same thing, we can make a scientist devotee and let him find ways and means to spread the knowledge. Yes. Thank you, thank you. Okay, um, I think we will stop here. It's nine o'clock. Um, thank you all so much. Uh, Grantara Shimad Bhagavatam Kijai, Shila Prabhupada Kijai.